Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Mike and JP with VTSR Podcast on St. Patty's Day. So sit back, relax, uh, get your libation of choice or whatever you want to do, and uh, take a listen. we got a great guest on here today, and I'm sure JP will introduce her here shortly. So let's get started. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome back to VTSR Veterans Transition Support Recon Show. Uh, this is your host, JP, and the other host, Mike, over there that just did the intro, and Nate. We got no idea. We think he got deported back to Canada. I think that's what happened. It's, it's highly likely. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, somebody reported a big bear running around freaking, I, I don't know in which state he was the last time I talked he, to he's him. Probably getting, he's probably getting identified as a Sasquatch around here. Uh, probably, probably. But anyways, hey, Mike, uh, what's new with you, man? Uh, busy. It's 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 uh, contract season. So once again, as you can see in my great background, I'm on the road again. So... This time, just doing some uh, basic EP work yeah, Perfect. for a hit for a hit north. So that, that's always fun. Uh, it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> well, this one was a last minute one, so I mean, it, <laughs> that's it just awesome. worked out. Hey, uh, and for our listeners out there, if you're in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, uh, we have a human trafficking awareness conference happening March 25th. At 6.30 p.m. This is going to happen at the Methodist University Education and Social Work Department. Uh, if you want to find out more information, uh, go to northstarministries.net uh, for more information. Or you can go to my profile on my Instagram, on my, you know, any of my social media and go to my profile and you will find a link. For Twitter, TikTok. Twitter, TikTok, <laughs> all of those. Uh, you will find a link there, and there's a registration link over there that you can register for it. It's free. It's great information that is going to be put out. And uh, the number one way of combating human trafficking is by getting informed and getting educated. So you you know how to, uh, you know, spot the signs of human trafficking and be able to make those reports. But uh, anyways, uh, we have a, an amazing guest tonight. We got Amy Dillon. Uh, she's a former Marine Corps drill instructor. That's right. So if you were in the Marine Corps and you saw a lady yelling at you, she was probably one of those. Uh, she served for 12 years active duty and is now committed to pursuing her goals in the firearms, tactical, and outdoor industry. Welcome. Let's end the stigma attached to PTS. Let's walk it out. A 222-mile rock march dedicated to suicide prevention starts March 31st in Fayetteville. Register to march or donate today. Text 222-NC to 41444 or visit letswalkitout.org. Tell us a little bit about you. Who's Amy? Um, <laughs> well, okay, well, I'm, uh, as you said, JP, I served in the, in the Marine Corps for 12 years. Um, I, you know, came from a Navy, uh, Navy background. My father and grandfather and all my uncles were in the, served in the United States Navy. My, um, my grandfather uh, was a World War II um, POW MIA. He never came back from the war. And, um, you know, growing up in San Diego, California, my, my dad really instilled in me and my siblings, um, you know, how important it is to, to serve your country and to serve society and to contribute. And so, you know, I really took that to heart and I thought about the sacrifices that, that my family had made um, with my grandfather and, you know, decided that I wanted to also join in the ranks of my family in the military um, tradition. So I didn't go to college. I enlisted into the Marine Corps straight out of high school. And um, I initially en I enlisted in 1998. So this was before, you know, for for better, um, you know, better best description, it being peacetime. Um, and it was, you know, in the late 90s, it was it was fairly 
a fairly quiet military, you know. Um, but I, I enlisted as a maintenance, uh, aviation maintenance administration um, personnel. So I was actually an F-18 analyst my first um, six years. So I was in the air wing side of the uh, the Marine Corps. I did a lot of uh, different deployments um, to the Western Pacific area, um, some NATO countries. And um, after that, you know, I volunteered to be a drill instructor. I wanted to really, you know, help the next generation um, come in. And when I was overseas, that was when um, 9-11 happened. And I just, you know, seeing the the military that I knew um, really transition from being that peacetime military to, you know, the global war on terrorism, that, that really made me want to, you know, really want to contribute to that part of it. And the best way for me to do that was to be in training. And so I was a um, combat marksmanship coach when I was uh, when I was in, and that's a that's like a collateral duty type thing. It's a separate MOS, so I had to go to school for that. Um, and so I went to um, Paris Island, which uh, is where the Marine Corps um, trains all female. At, at the time, it was all females went to Paris Island, and anyone east of the Mississippi River went to Paris Island. And I, I went there and volunteered to be a drill instructor. So. I was, uh, I volunteered, got selected and was picked to go to DI school. Um, so I did that. And between there and being a um, primary marksmanship instructor is where I served the last, um, I think, four, four years I was on Paris Island. So technically you say no to the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of respect for for every branch of service. Nobody, (laughs) nobody in this podcast right now is judging you for saying no to the Navy. (laughs) No, I got We got, we got a lot of good friends in the Navy as well. Uh, oh yeah. But uh, so you were a drill instructor and how do you like that? Did you, did you enjoy it? It was too stressful. How was it? <laughs> the best way I can describe it is if it was the best and worst time of my life. Um, <laughs> you know, it was very demanding and you, you have to be, you know, it's, I joke around about it, but it's true. And, and maybe, you know, you guys can relate to this, but to be, you know, to volunteer for certain things in the military, you you have to be a little bit kind of crazy and wild, um, because who signs up for a job in where you're going to get, you're not going to get any sleep, you're going to be miserable, um, you're going to hate it, your body's going to be put through, you know, the most physical rigorous testing of your life, but you say, that sounds awesome, let's do it. Um, so, <laughs> so, so I, you know, it, it really, it was hard. Um, I, you know, obviously, like, it sucked at times, but it was, it has really shaped me into who I am today. And it gave me a, a huge sense of purpose. And for that, um, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for those experiences and the people I met. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize how much or how many hours the drill science put, right? Like, oh my I re- gosh. I remember yeah. when I went to basic training, I'm like, why is this guy so mad? Right. And like, <laughs> and like, and then like six weeks into it, I'm like, this guy haven't gone home. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, now, I'm I, mad. <laughs> now I know why he's mad. He got to deal with me for freaking 24 hours. Yeah, we're hungry. We're tired. We haven't seen our families in, in months. And, and the, you know, the kids that are that we're training, you know, sometimes they, they're not putting their, their 100% effort and we see it. So, yeah, it makes us mad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell me a good line that you used to use all the time when people got out of the bus. What, what is one good line that you used to, you know, It's, it's interesting because what, what I learned is it's all a mind game, right? You had to, you had to really learn who your recruits were 
And it's almost like a psychological, you know, game, because at that point, I knew the kids that were coming in who came from like rough families, who came from a rough, a rough neighborhood, um, yelling at them, they wouldn't respond the same way a person who lived in a kind of fairy tale, had a fairy tale, you know, childhood would respond. So sometimes it would just, you know, just the stress of boot camp itself was difficult. Um, sometimes you had kids that responded really well to to getting yelled at all the time. And and sometimes you would you had to just basically take a take a kid and and knowing that they don't respond well to yelling, it's really like the flip side of that, in which sometimes I, I would just tell them in a calm voice, you know, you're not even worth training. So, you know, just sit over there because I'm not even dealing with it. And and that, you know, it's it's funny because that got a, got got the motivation that they needed to push through whatever it was that they were facing um, that day in, in training. And so it is it's really like a psychological. I'm not going to pay attention to you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a very uh, it's a very, you know, positive insight into the human like human nature and, and human psyche that drone instructors have have an in in. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's just that disappointing face, it, you know, hits home harder than than somebody yelling. Um, I don't right. know. If, I don't know if I told the story before in this podcast. I know I, I told it and I said it in another podcast I was guest of. But I remember my first team sergeant, Carl Peters, and uh, we went to lunch one day. And uh, I mean, we, we, I've been in the team for a few months already. Right. And uh, so I'm new in the team. And uh, we we go out for lunch and he said, be back at thirteen hundred. Okay, so everybody goes like, let's go to lunch. We'll be back at 1300. So we come back and most of the guys went back in the team room. I'm standing in the hallway with another one of my teammates that is also new with me, right? And we're standing there and we're just talking to other guys that graduated the Q course with us. And we're like, hey, man, how do you like your team? You know, oh, my team's are an asshole. Uh, uh. So we're just talking in the hallway and we walk in the team room. So we figure we're back. We're back at the company. Not in the team room, right? We're back at the company. Oh, jeez. Yes. Yes, by <laughs> 1300. So we walk in the team room like at, I want to say it was like three minutes past one o'clock. So we walked in. All we see is Carl. He turns around. He looks up. He looks at the clock. He turns around and keeps working in the one computer we used to have in the team rooms at that time because, you know, <laughs> just one computer. Everybody got to make the line to use it, right? So he's still working over there. And I go like, oh, okay, we're good. So we walk in there and like, I want to say maybe like an hour later, he turns around and he said, hey guys, and everybody pays attention, right? When a team sergeant talks, everybody pays attention. It's like, hey guys, everybody goes like, what? He's like, when I say 1300, it's 1300. Not 1301, not 1302, not 1303, 1300. Are we good? And everybody goes like, yes, Carl. He turns around and keeps working the computer. And I go like, and one of the guys that's been in the team for years, he goes like, you just got a Carl Peters ass chewing. And I, go like, <laughs> and I go like, he didn't even raise his voice, but I feel like shit. I don't know why yeah. I feel like shit. <laughs> of course you feel like shit because you let him down. You disappointed him. And that's more powerful than sometimes like yelling, right? And that, but I tell you what, after that, I was never late again because I was not going to let Carl down again. You know, it's like it worked. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't want to feel that that I disappointed, you know, that person feeling. Yeah, and uh, so Amy, after you got done with your drill science uh, duty, is that when you ret uh, when you got out of the uh, out of the Marine Corps, or or you did something after that? No, no, I I, I retired from the uh, from the drill field, and um, it was uh, 
it was a hard, you know, it was a pretty hard transition. I, um, it was, uh, I didn't know like what, what I was going to do, you know, afterward. And I think there's a lot of people that transition out of the military that eventually go into law enforcement. I have a lot of friends that have done that. And initially that's, that's what my plan was. I, um, I said, you know, I'll probably just go into law enforcement and see what I can do there. And I was actually starting to work, um, in the town I lived in at the time, I, I actually was starting to work on a package to, uh, you know, to, to go in, into the police department there. But, um, I ended up during that time, I ended up, um, getting a job at a, at a local gun shop and they were like, oh, you were a, a firearms instructor in the Marines. We could, we could use someone that, that has that type of experience here. And so I said, oh, okay, let's do that. So, um, so I got, uh, with my military certification, because I had the MOS as a marksmanship instructor, um, I immediately was certified by the state, and this is in, in South Carolina at the time. So I got certified by South Carolina Law Enforcement Division with my military um, certifications to start teaching concealed weapons permit classes. So then I started doing that, and the gun shop I worked in at the time eventually was bought by um, a, a firearms manufacturing company called Palmetto State Armory. I don't know if you've heard of them. But so, so they, they no, ended never up. Heard of yeah. <laughs> they I ended think up... if you never heard of Palmetto, like you never held a rifle in your arm, you know, I, your I have one of their rifles. <laughs> there you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. They've grown a lot in, in, in the last like five to 10 years. But, um, but I actually started working um, in the, uh, with them, I was their first range master actually at, at the range uh, I worked at. So I nice. was, um, the, I was their first first range master. Helped and I helped uh, develop um, their direct, uh, range operations manual and um, train. I stood up their training department, and so I did that for about five years and uh, saw a lot of growth in the company. Um, when I first started with Palmetto State Armory, we were, I think, under like fifty employees, and we had just one or two uh, retail locations in the one range I worked at. And then when I left, we were I was overseeing five in the middle of the sixth range opening up and then the um, like six retail stores. So there's a lot of growth there, but um, you know, I, I can't, I can't thank them enough for just them and the, the small gun shop that I worked at because I learned a lot about FFLs, uh, firearms, you know, how um, just how civilians like go through firearms training and what it takes to get a concealed weapons permit um, all the firearms laws, and it opened up my eyes to this whole other industry that I could be a part of. And I actually got um, a conditional letter of employment by the department that I was um, in, you know, getting this package done for, for the police department. But I, I ended up turning it down because I figured, you know, I've got something going really good here. And so let me just see what I can pursue in this in this direction versus just, you know, being on duty again in another capacity. Yeah. So can you say that, that uh, be before you retire and you decided, you know, was transitioning what you thought it was going to be or was it completely different? It caught you by surprise. Um, I tell people that, you know, because I get a lot of uh, questions from some of the some of my peers back then uh, through the years about, you know, how, how do you how are you doing what you're doing now? And, you know, what advice can you give me? Um, the best advice I can give anyone transitioning is to be prepared. And I think, and I, I even saw this myself, like when I got out, I was an E6, I was a staff sergeant E6 and I was in this, I call it like I was in the tunnel that nothing mattered except for what I was doing in my unit, in my battalion, in my, <laughs> my, you know, piece of the, my corner in the Marine Corps world. Um, nothing mattered. And I even like looked at, 
my friends who were civilians outside of the military and thought they just don't get it. You know, they don't understand what's really important. And on the flip side of it, and I've only realized this in the past, like maybe five years after I got out, um, cause I've been out now for almost 10 years. Um, I, it was me who didn't get it. Um, there's a much bigger world than what the military is doing. And even within the military, you know, we, we're all doing our own little things and every, every unit, every branch has its own, you know, specific purpose and specific mission. Um, and it's, and it's the same thing I'm realizing in the civilian world too. Um, and, but I think that being prepared for just, you know, changes medically. And, and what I mean by that is when you get out, you don't think that you're going to have problems that stem from all the hard things we did in the military and they're, they catch up to you later. Um, I think being prepared to navigate that is important. Um, and a lot of times we don't want to because we're like, oh, oh, that's, you know, it's a sign of weakness or, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to admit to having these issues when there's so many veterans that have suffered a lot more than I did. Um, so there's a little bit of unselfishness there. Um, but at the same time, you know, all these things start compounding years and years after we, we end our active duty, you know, and um, having a plan um, is important. And especially in your career field too, because I think one of the biggest transitions um, that cause a lot of anxiety and, and to a certain level PTSD in every single veteran that transitions is, you know, the realization that you're never going to be doing that job that you trained so hard and diligently for, and, you know, you, you've sacrificed so much, you know, I've, like I've sacrificed having a family and, you know, I, you know, been married multiple times. Um, it's, it's really, it really like puts into perspective how much of yourself you actually give the military. And you don't realize that until much, much later. Um, and so I think for me, um, I knew I was getting out. So I had a little bit of a, a head start. It was probably about six months that I, that I knew, okay, I'm gearing up to, to retire. Um, but I, I, I think even then it's, you know, I wasn't really fully prepared for, for my transition because I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so podcasts like this and, and, you know, broadcasts like this, I think are so important, especially now that I think there are so many resources available for veterans. And I think that hearing it from the person who stood in their shoes is going to be the biggest help that, that we can do for, for our fellow vets. You know, a, a lot of people don't understand that navigating the VA, uh, a lot of people think VA and they think it's one little circle, right? They don't understand that there's the VA compensation side of the house and then there's the VA healthcare system. Yes. They're not connected. Those people don't talk to each other, right? No, so, no one talks to each other in the VA. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor don't even talk to the nurse. So it's like people don't understand that it is hard to navigate the system. And you need to go and talk to organizations that are experts at that. You know, there's a lot of organizations out there that they do this day in and day out. They help veterans every single day. And uh, I hear a lot from veterans going like, oh, I'm going to apply for my VA. And I'm like, why not? And they'll tell you this. They said, well, I, I don't need the money. I'm, I'm, I'm stable. And I'm like, okay. Or, or they go like, well, other people need it more than I do. And I'm like, Man, you know how many people wearing basic training got hair, got out, and is receiving VA benefits? And like, oh, and here, and yeah. here you, oh, yeah, let me know, get you started with that one, right? <laughs> and then here you are, you served 30 years, and you want to be a badass. You don't want to admit that, you know, you don't have to admit it. You deserve it. Because if you don't use that money, somebody else will. Yes, and it's not okay. going to be a veteran either. 
No, you know, okay. So one of the, and I, and I, I don't hate to bring this up because this is just the truth of what happens. Okay. Cause I processed some of that, that some of the, that paperwork, there were recruits and I'm, I'm not even, not even kidding you. Cause we would, all right. So we would, you know, they'd get mail, you know, and sometimes we would <laughs> have to look and see what they're, what these people are sending them, you know, just in case there's contraband or whatever. But I've come across, I came across some letters in which, um, I'm not even kidding. Like it makes me sick, but parents were, were basically putting in the paperwork that has the steps on what you need to do to, um, get benefits, get medical benefits, you know, like how long you have to stay in boot camp, um, in order to be considered a veteran, even though you didn't serve one day past, you know, you didn't even graduate boot camp. You just stayed on the Island as long as you needed to, you know? So, and they may, some of them are legit cases, you know, like we've had, I've, I've seen, you know, one girl got, um, she slipped her footing on one of these high um, obstacle courses and she, she fell and broke her back. And so I think, Cases like that, yeah, you know, the Marine Corps probably needs to, you know, give her something for the rest of her life because her body's jacked up. And, um, but it's it's amazing how you know if we as veterans don't take the uh, the initiative to get what you deserve, um, then those resources are going to go away, or like you said, they're going to go to some they're going to go to someone, you know. So I think that as a veteran, and the way it was kind of um, it. It was an eye opener for me in the way someone described it to me is, you know, when you think about like compensation, for example, um, one of the one of the things in this world that creates a lot of stress for us is, is financial burdens and money. Right. So if if at minimum what you gave to this country can somehow be corrected in a matter of, you know, whether it's a, a financial compensation, you know, every month for you to take care of yourself and your family and for you to be able to do the things that you need to do in order to support your mental and physical health, then, then why is that such a bad thing? And I, it only, it, it, it took me about probably eight years after I got out to, to really understand, you know, what that meant. And, um, and I, and I, I tell every veteran I come across who's getting out, like, Hey, just like you like you said, make sure you're, you know, getting your appointments done, make sure you're getting your, uh, you know, apply for your, VA compensation or whatever, because it, it is important. And whether you serve four years or 40 years, you know, your, your contribution and your sacrifice to, to our country is something that not everyone does. And so, you know, be proud of that and, and don't be afraid to ask for, for help. Yeah. You know, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I was going to say that I might get some hate mail for this or whatever, <laughs> but the, it, it took me, a, it took me a few years to realize it though, is that, I mean, I served for over 20 years selflessly, uh, gave everything I had to the country. It took me a while to realize now that I'm out or retired specifically, it's okay to be selfish. And that for me, my health is my number one priority. And it, whether it be leveraging the VA or for me, TRICARE still, it, but it, it's okay to be selfish once you get out because you already were selfless by serving. And it's, it's okay to do that, but everybody looks at it that way. Right. You know, and we we learn we learn every day. Uh, what two nights ago we were doing? Uh, we were at Baba's because we had a, a you know nonprofit night for Let's Walk It Out, and we're sitting over there. And somebody mentioned something about because I'm talking about my son. My son uh, just graduated high school. Well, not just that little fucker graduated uh, <laughs> last summer, and he decided to take a year off right before starting college. But now he's about to apply for college and start. So I'm asking people that were sitting over there that their kids have gone to school. I'm like, hey, man, how does the GAP works, this and that? 
And somebody mentioned, well, you got the post 9-11 GLB, right? And I'm like, yes. Uh, did you? And then they mentioned something else. Did you apply for this? I'm like, what the heck is that? They're like, well, you know, you can give your GI Bill to your son and you can still get another 36 months yourself to do this other stuff. I'm like, whoa, vocational, whatever. And I'm like, oh, voc rehab, yeah. Yeah. And I go like, well, I didn't know I also get that on top of the GI Bill. Hey, JP, uh, this is a little side note. Sorry, Amy, but hey, your son lives in Florida, right? Yeah. He might be able to do in state college for free because you're 100%. Correct disabled veteran yeah there, there's so many things out there bro like yeah like you know i'm I'm 100 you know what you call it permanent and whatever you call it and and uh purple heart oh, Dios mio. <laughs> but, uh, well but, the great thing about all that jp is your son gets to go to school he gets to learn a bunch of stuff and you finally get paid to learn english <laughs> well Whoa. that's i've been trying to Whoa. use you know i've been trying to search for apps on on the app store right to learn English, but none of them teach English. They all teach other languages. I'm like, <laughs> this is kind of messed up. Yeah. I want to learn. Isn't, isn't it crazy how there's no, um, like there's no, it, it's no one tells you these things when you get out, you know, like in no. the Marine Corps, we had, um, before you, before you got out, you had to go through, it's called taps and steps class. I forgot what it stands yep. for. Transition. Hey, yeah. Transition assistance program or whatever. Um, but they don't tell you that it's like they, and at least when I went through in 2011, they're like, it was like how to write your resume and, you know, like. It's, it's still that's that not, way as of 2017. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I need, like what they should be telling veterans is telling them all these resources that are available for veterans, like both rehab, you know, how to navigate the VA healthcare system. Um, like even things like there, you know, there's, there's programs out there that are available for, um, you know, small business uh, entrepreneurship for veterans and things like that. Like why, why isn't that stuff shared? You know, and, and it's funny how you you have to either find that resource yourself or you have to like hear it from someone else. You know how much unused money uh, there's out there from the VA benefits side of the house. You know, I have run to so many uh, Vietnam vets that they don't even know that they can get money from the VA. I like you have never applied for the VA. They're like, uh, yeah, but. For what? Uh, like, dude, give me your DD-214. Let's go over there. Let's freaking <laughs> start fighting over there. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's a yeah. lot of people that don't even know they could actually get benefits from the VA. You know what, though, too? What a, what a time to be a veteran because in this age of, like, computers, internet, social media, and, like, all these veteran networks that are popping up and, and are here, you know, it's – I, I really, I feel, you know, we, we did, su we as a country did such a disservice to our, to our old, old veterans, you know, the Vietnam vets, the Korean vets, um, Korean war vets, because they, they didn't have that. Like my dad, he's, he's passed away now, but, um, just like a year after he passed away, they finally, um, this was like two years ago, they finally put in that blue water, um, the blue water, I, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's the blue water for vets that served in Vietnam. Cause my dad was a, uh, he was a submariner. So he, he never stepped foot on Vietnam soil, but he was in the water and he wasn't, um, he didn't get to, uh, get like the Viet, like agent orange exposure and things like that. Even though like, like he told me stories about being on ship and being exposed to radiation and it, you know, it, it came after the fact. So now, now if my dad was still alive, he would get 100%, you know, yeah. VA disability because some of the health problems he had later in life can be attributed to Agent Orange. 
and it took, I mean, this was from the 19, you know, fifties and only in late 2010s did it come out. So it's, it's nice to see that. I know that Congress just passed the, uh, the burn pit stuff. Um, it's nice to see that there's a little bit more just conversation and discussion about what veterans actually go through um, in foreign countries. Yeah. And we all know a little bit about burning shit. We all know <laughs> that. <laughs> hey, especially the fifth group guys. They don't know what bathrooms are. I'm just whoa, saying. whoa, whoa. <laughs> we know how to dig a trench. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so Amy, let, let, moving a little bit forward with this, uh, Talk to me a little bit about Women's in Combat TV. What what is that about? Yeah, so so this um, Women in Combat TV is a, a program I created and produced um, last year, and I I really wanted to do something um, for women veterans specifically um, because do you remember when was this four or five years ago when there was this conversation you know very popular conversation in Congress and in the regular, you know, American media about women um, serving in combat. Correct. And I used to get asked all the time uh, when I was doing interviews and articles for whatever, you know, oh, you're a woman veteran. How do you feel about women serving in combat? And the the question used to irritate the hell out of me because I've had I've had friends, female veterans that have been in combat. You just didn't hear about it. And, um, you know, I really thought that this is just something that society doesn't know, that women have been have been actually serving in combat for a long time now, um, maybe in small roles, maybe not very, you know, not heard about often. But um, so I, I wanted to create and I know there's been other books and other other shows about women in combat, but I wanted to create a series that specifically um, shared women veteran stories about their contributions, um, specifically in combat and in wartime. And so. I teamed up with one of my friends who um, who runs Trigger Time TV. So under Tag Entertainment, we we were able to produce episodes one and two for Women in Combat TV on the Pursuit Channel, and um, that uh, came out last year. Um, I'm, we're working on episodes three and four this year, and um, yeah, that's that's what it's about. And it's 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 just another, you know, it's another. Uh, place where women veterans can can go to it's camaraderie for women veterans it, it's uh it's a place that they can share their story and it's um some of the women that we featured last year have told us you know this is the first time they've been talking about some of their experiences and it was you know really healing for them and i want to mention because this gets brought up a lot and it's another narrative that i hate whenever we talk about women veterans but i'm not talking about like women veterans sexual harassment um whatever I'm talking about duty and the service that they, you know, contributions that they made. But um, of course, th that stuff is is everywhere. You know, check any industry, check any job, check any organization. That stuff exists. It's not the only story um, for women veterans. And so I think that it's important for me to highlight that when I say that it's a place for women veterans to go to heal, I'm not talking about that. And so, um, and I'm not, I'm not being. Um, I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't exist and doesn't happen. And I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I wish it, you know, there, there are. No, you're, you're covering more of the positive side. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I want to highlight women's contributions. The badassery of the women. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like I've, I'm not going to lie. I've had women in my <laughs> platoon that were, that could out soldier some of the dudes and I tell them to their face. I'm like, dude, you just got creamed. And then I call the <laughs> other one a dude too, just to keep it level. But yeah, it was like, you know, 
yeah. was dude on dude action, but you didn't know what dude was dude, right? But it was badassery at the end of the day by these these amazing women that can soldier. Yeah, right? exactly. And and I only say that because when as we were trying to recruit for women to, to you know to come on the show, um, that was a question I got often was, oh, are you are you guys talking about this? And no, that's not what I'm that's not what I'm looking for. You can you know the person can share it if they are so inclined to share that and they, they want that in part of their story, but. I, I just want the, wanted there to be a highlight on, you know, women veterans and, you know, like Nate's. But anyway, yes, w- women in combat. Um, I just really wanted to share that, sh- share that because really it's about women's contributions and, you know, the badass contributions that, that women make to, to the military specifically, you know, in, in wartime. You, you know, I mean, it's funny that you say that uh, and, and, and I'm not, not talking down anything that you're saying, but, I don't look at people as women or men in combat. I see soldiers. I see people wearing a uniform. They're carrying a rifle and they're freaking shooting back at the enemy. That's what I see now. You're, yeah, you're expected right? to perform. Yeah, I expect people to perform, right? I, I, right. And I think there a lot of people have a uh, a misconception on the difference of what women in combat and a combat arms MOS is and that was the big discussion woman in combat arms mos that doesn't mean that women couldn't serve in combat and haven't served in combat uh they were trying to figure out whether a does a woman fit in a combat arms mos knowing our culture knowing the way we work you know because let me tell you i know some women out there that i will rather have them in my team uh more than some of the guys that i have on my team because they suck right but right but the problem is Once we go into combat, if that woman gets shot, it is in our culture. It is in, in, the, in our instinct to immediately protect the woman. It's going to happen. It, you know, other countries, they work differently. It's in their culture. They go like, hey, girl, yeah, patch yourself up. Good luck. We'll see you later. Uh, but we're not like that. We're, we, we're not raised like that. So we're we going to freak out. We're going to be like, oh, my God. She's down. We got to protect her. We got to save her. And then we all get shot. <laughs> you know, yeah, you bring up a good point, JP. And I, and I agree with you on that. And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the discussions that I think is hard to have around this conversation is because, you know, just like you said, and I, I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily people in the service that look at men and women differently, because I think we've been conditioned and we've been trained to, to work together. Um, but I do think society as a whole, you know, has, there, there's just not that many women in the military statistically when you compare it to the, the population, you know, um, but I do agree with you on that. And it's, you know, I, I've, I've been asked that same, you know, question of, well, don't you think, you know, this and that, and I do, I, I feel the same way. And, and, but I think that, I don't know, just having conversations like this, um, you know, they do something for, for that, you know, Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it does something. It helps. It helps yeah. just talking about it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm not saying I, I disagree with you on that. No, no I, I'm telling you, I've seen women that, that, has been in, that have been in combat and I've seen them in action. I'm like, badass. But if that girl gets shot, everything is going to stop, right? Because like, we got to go and protect her. And that, that's our instinct. You have nothing to do that she's weaker. Uh, or, you know, that she cannot protect herself. It is just in our instinct to do that. Unless you're one of the new generation. Exactly, the new they, generation. Yeah, the because... new generation might go like, uh, <laughs> fuck off. I got to go and play PlayStation. Good luck with that one. 
well, not just that alone, but the new generation, because we've all been out for a while and we're still in our prime, but our prime is just a little different than the current prime. Uh, when you say our prime, you're, you're, you're including Inflation. yourself in it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No. I'm in no. included in all of that. Uh, <laughs> this is this, this is the prime Sam Squanch. So with the new generation, I've noticed uh, even when I was last working with people is it's more neutral of because you identify as so many different things or whatever. So that that commonality of I need to be, <laughs> look at <laughs> Mike. He don't want to talk about the uh, what is it? The uh... <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so it doesn't matter nowadays because that to protect the, the lineage and having the children that's ingrained in us when, you know, get a job, have kids, settle down, die. That's all gone. Now it's get whatever you can for doing nothing, keep doing whatever you want and have nothing, and then die. But there are no kids in it. So we don't have that will or instinct to preserve that other sexual partner. So it's kind of interesting, the battle space. Maybe that's the trick that's going to save us in the next war as North Americans because we don't care about propagating, having kids. So they're just going to you know, rip through whatever's in front of them unless, of course, their feelings get hurt. That's an interesting point, Nate. And actually, that's, I want to say, like, it's true. The, the generate, it is. We're, we're all, you know, I, I, I want to say the, the problem I have with a lot of it is the people that talk about this stuff are, aren't even veterans. They've never served, you know. Um, but I think hearing it from, you know, from people that are currently active duty and from, you know, from us that, that have already done, you know, our, our time, um, it it is it's a, it's an interesting discussion because I think the generation is so in some ways better and in some ways like what the hell's going on? <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, Amy, be, uh, before I forget, because uh, I do got TBI. Uh, uh, before I forget, can you share with all listeners if they want to find you on social media? Because I know you do. Uh, You teach classes for concealed carry. Uh, you talk about reciprocity and things like that. And if anybody want to find you and, you know, contact you about any of the courses that you can provide or anything like that, uh, what's your social media or website, any, anywhere they can find you? Yeah, they can find me on, on Facebook and Instagram, um, Amy Dillon, or you can also search for my handle. It's, it's my full name is actually Ada.may. So it's A-D-D-A dot M-A-Y. And, um, and they can also email me at the number two, amydillon at gmail.com is a good way to get a hold of me. Okay. Yeah. Because I see that you do a lot of, uh, you know, concealed carry classes. Uh, you do classes for youth or youngins, how they call them uh, here in, in, <laughs> in the South. Uh, you do beginner classes for marksmanship improvement training and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I know that uh, a lot of people out there need this training because I, Let me tell you, I, I know a lot of people that own guns that don't even know how to freaking clean them. So, yeah. And we, we actually, we do. Um, so my, we, when I say we, my fiance and I, my fiance is actually disabled and his, um, he's got Parkinson's disease and, um, with him, um, with his, uh, outreach to, to other people with disabilities and, you know, and, and I include veteran, you know, because there's a lot of disabled veterans there as well, whether you have visible or invisible, um, you know, injuries, uh, We, we do an outreach program too, where we like to bring people together and do hunting retreats and, um, Hell and yeah. just go shooting, you know, shooting on the range because there is a thing that, you know, that's gun therapy that, you know, when, when going shooting and just hanging out with like-minded people, it's, it's therapeutic, 
And so we, we do these gun therapy retreats. Um, That's right. It's a great precursor for, it's a pre-therapy as well. And it gives you something familiar to talk about. I am going to throw um, your fiance under the bus because I've been waiting two months for my follower request to be accepted. Oh my like, God. I know he's shaky, but I know he can hit that fucking button. <laughs> I will, <laughs> I will up. let him. I will let him know. I will let him know. <laughs> All right, because I've been waiting patiently until now. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't really, especially like when he's, um, you know, he can't like use the use a phone, yeah. um, all the time. So it's it's very like hit or miss, and I don't I don't do things for him. You know, he's very independent. So hey, Nate, Nate, he's been trying to hit the button, but he keeps accepting other people because because he goes up or down, up or down. Sorry, Nate. Approved approved below, and then another set comes in. I can't wait to see him again. Oh, I can't wait. That. I will let him know that he'll get a kick out of that. <laughs> hey, Amy, and uh, b before we head out, uh, I, I know you already talked a little bit about it, but uh, any advice that you have for veterans that are out there, uh, people who are transitioning out or maybe maybe uh, uh, thinking suicide or anything like that, uh, what message you got for other veterans? Whether I'm talking about in general. We're not talking about males or females. What message mm -hmm. do you have for other veterans that are getting out of the military right now? Yeah, I want to say, you know, talk to talk to someone who's who's already walked on that path. Um, reach out to someone that you know is or has already transitioned, um, and find you know find someone that you've looked up to who you see is who you think is you know for maybe and maybe it's um, you're not sure, but you see someone that has already successfully transitioned out of the military. Reach out to them and, and ask their advice, and you might you might find that you know talk, just talking to them and talking about you know advice they can give you um is important um listen to you know it's so important to share like this podcast um because you you can find a lot of people who have a, a big social reach um you know in this day and age where it's so easy to to reach someone especially in the veteran community i feel like we all have you know our different avenues in which people can reach us I will never just personally, if I had every time I've had a veteran reach out to me, you know, whether I can provide an answer or, or even just a resource for them to go to. Um, but it, it is hard. Um, and I and I think just knowing that don't be afraid that the road's going to get hard. You're going to be, you know, feel like you're backed into a corner sometimes. And there there is light at the end of the tunnel. But sometimes you have to create that to create that yourself. I like that what you, what you said there. You have to create it yourself. You can't expect other people to come and give you everything that you need. You know, you, you got to yeah. want it. You you have to remember, you know, like in the military, we all were able to create kind of our own paths. And that's the, you know, through doing what we needed to do to get promoted and, and volunteering for different assignments and things like that. It's the same thing. We, you've got to attack like whatever civilian path that you're wanting to create, you know, just find a purpose. You've got to find a purpose outside of outside of what you did in the military. And, and they can start with just okay, I'm doing this. What can, what other veteran organizations can I, can I go to that I can help? And maybe, maybe just you being there and talking and just, you know, showing up at the VFWs and things like that. Um, honestly, like I've had some of the best, best nights and, and met some of the best people. Just I'll go grab a beer at the, at the local VFW. And it may just be, you know, you're meeting people, maybe not in your generation, but um, I think just as a whole, we, we, we all come from the same, you know, piece of cloth we're, we're cut from the same fabric. It's the reason why, you know, we, we all signed up for what we did and there's a lot of strength in numbers. And so I, I think, especially now as we have so many ways to communicate with each other, it's important that you reach out and you're not afraid to. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for that message to, uh, to other veterans out there. Mike, what you got for us before we head out? 
Not much. I, I, I want to like track backtrack to your real quick question to your drill days. You ever have the trainee that smiles when they're under stress? I yes. can't stand it. I've had I've had troops when I was a squad leader that I'd be like doing the knife hand deep in there and he's just like <laughs> smiling at you and I'm just like, You think this is funny? And having to That's, coil back yeah. and go, you're one of those guys that just smiles and laughs under stress. And that's when you have them go run laps and and do and do push ups and get the smile off their face until their arms fall off because when they're when they get tired that smile will disappear. That, that, was my, that was like my biggest annoyance as a squad leader is those yes. those guys that just smile at you. But you're right. It, it sometimes they do it under stress. That's that's <laughs> a stress reaction. So yeah. All right. That's all I got. I, I was like, <laughs> what what you got, Nate? Well, I just want to say thanks to Amy for coming on and uh, and also giving your fiance shit for not accepting all of this into his Instagram, obviously. Um, I do, He's missing out. He is totally. You follow me. We follow each other. It's a, it's a mutual thing. The aspects that come from what you've been saying, because uh, getting the perspective from the women's side of it and the fact that you don't emphasize or focal point on that negative side because um, – in Canada, we've had some really rough luck with our chain of command and leadership. And everybody wants to talk about that, talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I get messages all the time about um, why do I still send people there to recruiting if they ask me about it? And where this wraps into it is, is that if you don't focus on the, the positive that does exist in that situation, I'll look, I'll look into the camera this time. So when you don't, this feels awkward as fuck. So when you don't focus on that positivity, then that goodness gets deteriorated and stripped away further and further. And I have worked with some amazing, amazing women in the forces uh, and afterwards, and they don't focus on that negative. Negative happens to everybody. And I'm not saying to get rid of it. If it does happen, speak up, fucking step on it and squish it and get rid of it right away. But focus on the positive side of that. And to hear somebody crusading so uh, aggressively, for women's positivity and, and those that warrior spirit, that's amazing. You know, every woman that puts on that uniform should feel like Wonder Woman, putting the fucking gauntlets and bracelets and shit on, putting that tiara and lasso on your hip. That's what I felt like every fucking time I laced yeah. up my boots. I, I, so, miss, I miss it sometimes. I, like like, I, miss, right? I miss putting the campaign cover on, especially. <laughs> exactly, right? So, yeah. so that empowerment is awesome that you're bringing it, bringing it back because it has been disappearing from us. It's been taking from the, the female warrior world, if I, if I may say it that way. Yeah, thank and you. I, I appreciate out, that. Yeah, I'm going to round it out with that on that emphasis that you are actually empowering women to be powerful fucking women, you know, in a time where it's not good to be powerful men. So how the hell can you be a powerful woman too in the same time when you don't have something that you want to beat? Like every woman should want to be better soldiers than men because, you know, we have to pee standing up. <laughs> thank you nate hey uh to everyone listening uh, uh remember there's like like amy said there's resources out there there's people that you can call we are in the technology uh uh you know age so you can text you can call social media find a friend that is willing to talk to you somebody will talk to you if not shoot us a message on uh, vtsr uh mike will be more than happy to answer your message no no we'll answer your message trust me i'll direct you to the person that can actually help you so uh and remember thank you for listening to uh veterans transition support recon show and whatever you do do not do not cash out
On Thursday, March 31st, Let's Walk It Out will be kicking off its second annual 222-mile rock march in North Carolina. Raising awareness from Fayetteville to Camp Lejeune and back, Let's Walk It Out is dedicated to suicide prevention and overcoming the stigma often associated with PTS, all while benefiting charities committed to veteran wellness. 10 days, 10 legs, but unlimited potential to be part of the solution. Volunteer, sponsorship, and participant opportunities can be found at letswalkitout.org. Together, let's work it out. Let's walk it out.